Is demonology dangerous? No. No, it's not. There are no recorded deaths that have been attributed to demonic possessions or hauntings ever. Excuse me, but did anyone listen to our last episode <laughs> that we recorded like 10 seconds ago? <laughs> That's what it says. However, there are many reports of people being pushed, scratched, or hit by a malevolent spirit. But claims of demons becoming physically violent are very rare. So this is Parababble. Yeah, we're going to go through these frequently asked questions on, on the course you're going to take. So we found an online course. This is We were talking about this the last time. I don't think we explained it. I was trying to research the actual qualifications needed to become a demonologist. And I came across this online web course. Yeah. It's like the para-university or something. It's called para-learning. Um. <laughs> And it's a Diploma in Modern Demonology for Paranormal Investigators. So it's a Diploma in Modern Demonology. I don't know if you can say that you're a demonologist after that. Well, I know I've, I've seen a lot of people claim that they were demonologists. I don't know if they have the degree to back it up. I almost want to do it just so I can get the degree and then yeah. go to the first paranormal convention. That it comes says up. a digital accreditation is provided upon completion and a certificate of your achievement will be posted to you. So it's Halloween time. It doesn't take much to uh, complete this course. The average time was three and a half hours. Yes. Three and a half hours. So I could do this. I can get a degree, yep. an actual physical degree in demonology. Yep. And then I can go to all these paranormal like events. Well, you can get a digital accreditation. So, yeah. Well, first, before I go to the events, after I get the accreditation, I got to go to Walmart and get some black jeans and a long sleeve <laughs> black button down shirt. Yes, you do. And a big silver chain. With a cross on it. Yes, absolutely. You have to do it. You have to do it. So this whole thing... The course overview is on here. You know, you're going to go through all of it. As as you said, it's a completion time of 3.5 hours. The average pass rate is 95%. So the course curriculum, introduction, multi-faith demonology, warnings, the summary. So this is one thing that you and I were talking about earlier. I didn't think, I thought that you had to be some kind of religious you know, background, a theologist or something to be able to be a demonologist because demons are related to Christian religion for the most part. I mean, other religions too, but, you know, I think mostly what we see is like Catholic church and yeah. possession and not exorcism. someone with, it's not someone like me with like no religion. Yeah. It's usually somebody who, you know, mm -hmm. has some faith in God because right. Yeah, the opposite of heaven is hell. And, yeah. yeah. So it's like you can't believe in a demon if you don't believe in a God. It's right? kind of interesting that you can be an atheist evidently or agnostic and you can go in and do this. So then after you do the introduction, then it's all about demons. What are demons? Behavior of demons, possession, attachment, confirming a demonic presence. So, you know, you're going to get all that discernment training, you know, that we talk about communication and then after that, they get into some protection against demons. So precautions, cleansing, protective items. I'm very curious to see what all of these are. Well, I'm very curious because after that, the next session, the next session is called summoning demons. 
Okay, now we're talking. And I would think if you were going to try to get a certificate of achievement in learning about demonology, that the last thing you'd want to be doing is summoning them. Well, you probably got to know how they get summoned to identify. It says preparation, invocation, and then after the ritual. And then the summary of that ch- of those things. So mm. no, no. They're telling you how to invoke them. And then they're telling you what to do after you do the ritual to invoke them. So you bring the demons in and you bring the demons out. I guess so. What if you do the first part really well? But then the second <laughs> you part you really are not good at, at. After the ritual? Yeah, you know, like certain areas. Like when you go to school, you know, you're good in some subjects, you're bad in other <laughs> subjects. What if you like are a rock star at summoning the demons? But you just absolutely suck at like exercising the well, demons. Well, that's when you have to go back to your student cohort, right? And you have to be like, hey, everybody. Your alma mater. Yeah, I need it. some help because I made a big mistake. So after you summon them, um, the next section is called exorcisms. So that's the tradition, writing a location of, a, oh, sorry, ridding. It, it's got a little bit of a typo there. Oh. A location of a demon, ridding a person of a demon, ridding an object of a demon, and then the summary for that. So you're going to learn how to do all that in your 3.5 hours. Okay. Okay. And then the last part is evaluation, final thoughts, and final assessment. So frequently asked questions. Is this a recognized qualification? Unfortunately, due to the unknown nature of the paranormal, no qualifications in this field are academically recognized. What the? Even if they were, they would be of little interest to prospective employers. <laughs> so I can't put this at the very top of my resume? I guess not. However, we worked hard to put together a course that is designed to help you widen your knowledge and give beginners the confidence to go out and get involved. <laughs> I want to do this just for the certificate. That would be amazing. What does this course involve? You'll be able to work through five comprehensive modules. Demons, protection against demons, summoning demons, exorcism. It covers everything from the symptoms and characteristics of demonic hauntings to prevent demonic attachment and banishing demons using various rituals and techniques. I just want you to learn how to banish demons using rituals and techniques. I wonder if it teaches you how to make an Iron Man helmet. (laughs) The God helmet? Yeah. Yeah. There's also information and advice on summoning demons as part of a paranormal investigation in order to study them. I'm sorry, people. I can't make this shit up. But That's what it says. So the next time you're out on a paranormal investigation, you need to bring somebody like you after you get your certificate of achievement so we can have you summon a demon so we can play with it. I'm sorry. Study it. <laughs> Um, is this course aimed at novices or experts? It's suitable for everyone. Don't worry about it. Okay, good, I'm kind of like probably fall in the middle somewhere. Right. Does the course include details of the demons I might encounter? No. No. Other demonology courses and texts mostly consist of long lists of demons by name accompanied by their characteristics and details of their religious or- origins. You will find no such information in this course for several reasons. Firstly... There are simply too many names to mention here. That's what the freaking degrees for. And secondly, right. as demons are said to lie about their names, mm, you can never true. be sure if it is really one of the listed demons you are actually talking to. 
which also does not make sense because every exorcism I've ever like read anything about is that the power of God compels you. Like at some point the demon will give up its name and that's how you can exercise the person. So if you don't have the name and the name's not really the name, you can never actually exercise the person. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit of a, uh Oh, situation is demonology dangerous. No, no, there's no recorded deaths of, you know, anybody that's been attributed to demonic possession, except for, you know, maybe the person we just did an episode about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, when can I access the course material and for how long? Well, this is helpful for you to know. Yeah, because I'm either going to do it right away or I'm going to sit on it for like five years. Yes. Don't don't sit on it for five years. The okay. world needs to know. Yeah. Once you enroll in this course, you will get an instant access to the course material. A summary of the modulars and lessons can be seen in the course curriculum. You have unlimited access to this course even after you completed your final assessment, allowing you to revisit topics whenever you like. Um, how long does it take to complete? About three and a half hours. While it's possible to work through the course material in a few hours, we recommend taking your time to let the information soak in. Will I receive a certificate? This is the only thing I care about. A digital certificate of achievement you can print yourself will automatically be emailed to those who achieve a grade of 80% or higher in the final assessment. So they have high standards, but yeah. they can't print something and mail it to me? No, you. it's going to come in your email. And I you want something print it. on like that fancy paper with like the Listen, seal. Listen, if you take this and you pass it, when you send it to me, I will print it on one of those papers for you. Okay. A digital certificate of achievement you can print yourself will automatically be emailed. There is also an option to have a physical copy posted to you instead. Okay, there we go. Which is normally dispatched within 14 days of the course's completion. If you fail to achieve the required score, you're able to revisit the course material and try again as many times as you like. Okay, so I can't fail. Certificates are professionally designed and printed. And we hope that you will take it as a keepsake of what you hope will be an enjoyable course. I sure will. Is it a digital accreditation? As well as a certificate of achievement, a link will automatically be generated that you can share or link to. The web page will include your name, the details of the courses you've completed, and you can add the badge provided to your website or blog to show you are qualified in this specialty field. So I'm adding it to my LinkedIn. Oh, my God. Now you really got to do this. Um, it's going to be right there with my IT certification. It's going to be like IT. And uh, your degree from college. Yeah, oh, that, that doesn't count. You can take it on a mobile phone if you don't have a laptop available. Mm -hmm. um, how do I know if this course is for me? I already know. While we put a lot of work into making sure this course is useful to everyone and has general appeal, if you find that you're, that you're not what, if you find they're not what you expected for any reason, then get in touch and we'll sort out a full refund for you. No questions asked. I wish my college was like that. Right? How did other users rate this course? Oh, very well, evidently. How likely are you to recommend us to a friend? 4.6 out of 5. Hmm. Overall, how satisfied with the course were you? 4.6 out of 5. How concise did you find this course? 4.4 4. 4. 4. Oh. out of 5. And how likely are you to try another course with us? 4.5 out of 5. Okay, so get started. Enroll. 
I'm on it. I think you should. Yep. Is it worth twenty five twenty to get a nice yes. certificate saying that you've achieved demonologist status? Do you know how amazing that would be if I had that? Like back when we would go sound like every weekend and we'd run into like all those other groups, and there's always like an some some random douche that was like black button down shirt, black jeans, yep, fedora usually. Yep. Exercising the demons. Yeah, you know, usually about three hundred pounds. Yep. Big beard, unkempt. <laughs> yep. Talking about a lot of nonsense. Yep. So we started talking about you know this whole thing because of the episode that we're gonna do tonight. Yes, we've 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 actually babbled quite a bit. Yes. Already. So well, you know, it's parababble. It's what we do, yep. right? Now everybody wants to go and take that course. So. uh when you take it and you post that you've finished it, you know, you can give it its rating. And if you think it's 4.6 4. out, 6 out of 5, then maybe you can share that information with other people. But um, we wanted to talk mainly about the Demon House in Gary, Indiana. And if anybody's been listening to the show, there is a certain person that we're not really big, huge fans of. Um, what are you talking about? We do. And our former paro babbler. Uh, Jeff, when he was on the show, we always used to kind of joke that he had, you know, a bro crush on this particular person. And when we were kind of going through topics and doing some research about, you know, what we wanted to talk about, this kind of popped up and I realized we'd never actually done an episode on it. So why not? Right? Of course. Right. It's the demon house. Right. It's a demon house. We're in this whole like possession, exorcism, demons, you know, phase right now where we've been doing a lot of shows about it we're doing a lot of research about it um so this seemed like a natural thing to talk about right why not why not so before we get into the sensationalized pieces of it i wanted to just kind of give a little bit of background to the actual story at the demon house in gary indiana okay so latoya amons Moves into the house with her three children. She's renting it. And pretty much as soon as she moves in, stuff starts to happen. Not good stuff. So she moves in in November of 2011. She's in the house until 2012 and she's out. So not long. Not long. But long enough for there to be over a thousand pages of documented things that happened to her and her family in this house. And not just by her own account. CPS was involved. This is this is probably the most interesting part about the whole thing. The Gary Police Department mm-hmm. investigated. Yeah. A priest had performed exorcisms yeah. on Latoya, on the house, on her children. So the most, I think, interesting things that I, I found out about this were the first thing that she describes is when they moved in, there was these big, black, large flies that kept showing up in a screened-in porch in December. So not the time that you should be seeing them. It's a screened-in porch. Where are they coming from? And they kept coming back. So they kept killing them. They kept using, you know, whatever to get rid of them. And then before they knew it, they were right back again. Big black flies. We've heard this before, right? Maybe not so much of a big deal. Footsteps, big, heavy footsteps on the basement stairs that she and her mom would hear on a routine almost every night. 
the doors to the basement and the kitchen would open and close on their own. So still paranormal activity going on. Is it demons? Is it nuts? You know, who knows? But then stuff started to happen with her kids. And this is where it gets it for me, because anytime you have kids involved, it takes on a whole nother level. It's a different feeling. Like we know just as paranormal investigators, if we were called out to a house, if there was kids there, we took that way more serious than if, you know, there wasn't right. Because kids are influential. Kids are vulnerable. Kids are more open than, you know, you lose that as you get older. So this is the kind of stuff that really started to like make me think that maybe there was something going on there. So her nine-year-old at one point had described what it felt like to be killed. And this is the craziest thing. There was a caseworker in the house and a hospital nurse in the house. And the nine-year-old walked up the wall yeah, and flipped over and landed next to his grandmother. And everyone was like, what just happened? There's no way that could have just taken place. But all three of them say that they saw this happen where this nine-year-old little child walked directly up a wall. Parkour. Parkour, yeah. So they described the children's voices getting deeper and that they had these evil looks, smiles that were not the typical faces and smiles of children. The seven-year-old tried to strangle the nine-year-old. And the only reason why the seven-year-old didn't succeed in killing their sibling is because an adult had to step in and physically force the seven-year-old off the nine-year-old. And it was described as like this kid having like superhuman strength. No like precipitating factors, No, like, you know, they're not fighting over something just out of nowhere. The seven-year-old attacks their their sibling. The 12-year-old little girl was seen floating over her bed while she was unconscious by multiple people in her family. Exorcisms were done by Reverend Michael Maginot, and they were the first ones that he had ever done. So he wasn't like a... He wasn't known for this. He didn't like seek out exorcisms, but there was three done total. Two were in English. One was in Latin. And then the family ended up moving in June of 2012. So that's kind of what happened. And once they moved, not a single other issue ever happened with the family to this day. So they never had any of these things follow them. They never had any other issues where they lived. But there are numerous, numerous CPS reports, police reports. Um, She was, the mom was, uh, there was like an active case going on because she wasn't sending the kids to school because the kids were going through what they were dealing with, you know, at home and she was dealing with. So that was, I think, like the first inkling that something was wrong is that they started wondering why the kids weren't coming to school. Numerous um, neighbors, family, friends all said that they had witnessed some or all of these things happening also. So like some pretty serious stuff. Now she did the right thing. She got her kids out of there. She moved. Okay. Whether the exorcisms worked or not on her and her kids or just the change of location. But then someone had the brilliant idea to sell the house for $35,000 to none other 
than the demonologist himself. The rock star. The paranormal rock star. The paranormal rock star. Zach Baggins. Yes. So, so this, is, this is where my part comes in, I guess, because I actually watched the whole Demon House documentary. And you didn't get possessed by it. I didn't. No, that was a warning. It said, you know, you got to make sure, because you never know, just by watching that, you could, you know, be inviting that kind of thing in. But you've been okay so far. I've been good. It's been like a week okay. since I saw it. All right. No goat demons yet. Gotcha. So, yeah, I mean, the, some of those stories that the Ammons family had are crazy. It's interesting that police witnessed it and CPS workers witnessed it and other people witnessed it. So, couple red flags, though, big time. Why was CPS there in the first place? That's what I wonder. Because she, the kids weren't going to school. So people so, got concerned. That's why. That they weren't showing up to school. So, mm-hmm. like, I don't know if it was, like, tardy officer first or, like, what happened. But they basically, because that's, like, a big thing. You know, yeah. you don't send your kids to school. And you have a 7, a 9-year-old, and a 12-year-old. Because they didn't really get into that in the Demon House documentary. Yeah. From what I understand, it was initially because the kids stopped going to school. Hmm. Or they were going so infrequently that someone called and made a, you know, report because they thought something was going on. Yeah. Yeah. So Zach bought the house sight unseen as soon as he heard about this. Like, cause oh, it yeah. Because it made the news. I did see that. It was like a indie, there was like a report that was done yeah, in like one some of the local, local papers. News. Yeah. It was like a local news channel. Yep. I actually ran a little story about it. And he was like, sign me up. Yep. He's like, I'm buying it. So he bought it. Because, <laughs> you know, that's what you do. Gary, Indiana. He, he flew out there. And, well, before before he flies out there and buys the house, I should say a week before this news story breaks, Zach has a dream about this giant demon. It's like furry goat with hooves and horns, and it just, like, strangles him and, like, takes his breath away. Anyway, that's the demon that's in the demon house, apparently. Oh, goat man. So, yeah, the goat man. I did read that he started having nightmares before and yep. after he bought the house. So yep. before before he, um, supposedly, before he bought the house, he had these dreams. Um, so he, he buys the house and he films this documentary down there. Like I said, I watched it. So before we started, you said, I wish you could go to the demon house. And I said, I wouldn't. It's because if you saw Gary Indiana, Indiana. You would not want to go there. Imagine like, and and this is probably the time that he filmed the documentary, but it was like it looked miserable there. It was like snowing, like like full on like Buffalo in the middle of January. Um, huge crime rate, huge murder rate, like murder capital of the world. It seems like everyone's getting murdered down there. So not a good no neighborhood very, very, to begin with. Very dangerous okay. neighborhood. So kind of like decrepit houses, not really like a lot of. The demon house, yes. Yeah. And I did read, did you see anything about how he supposedly had some kind of mysterious illness before he started filming the documentary that had him bedridden for a week? No. So I saw this, and I don't I don't really know if it's true or not, but it goes along the same lines as him talking about the fact that he had these nightmares beforehand. But he became bedridden with an illness for over a week after he signed up to do the documentary. So it was before they started filming. And then I also read that there was a lot of people that got sick 
on the filming of the documentary. People dropped out. Yeah. Well, they, they touched on that in the documentary. That's like the big they? climax almost. <laughs> that everybody is like experiencing something crazy. Yeah. So Gary, Indiana is not a place you really want to go to. No. It was not, uh, did not seem like a pleasant place. Which explains why the house was probably only $35,000. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my first notes here is that I thought it was hilarious that in the documentary, like they kept showing like between the cuts, a giant furry goat demon, like to make it seem scary. And it was like, you know, and, I, and my thought was like, I would just love to see them filming that. And like, who was wearing that costume? Was it Zach? Like, who did he pay to, to put this thing? This thing on it's like such a stereotypical demon it was too. it was like like the hoofs and yeah, the, the horns, horns and no the... creativity here yeah um so let's see where because so okay so he did try to talk to the ammons family and they didn't want anything to do with this documentary so that's why i didn't know their story as much like he kind of recapped it a bit as much as he could without them but they showed him actually like tracking them down and going to where they live now and they wouldn't even come out and talk to him. They're like, we want nothing to do with this. We don't want to talk to anybody that's even been in the house. Like, go away. Like, stay away. So that was interesting because... They're not out for money fame and fortune, right? Well, maybe. we'll see. Okay. I'll get to that one, too. But not, not at that particular time. Yeah. Yeah. So when he's, you know, setting this house up to investigate and whatnot... Um, one of the things that he, he mentions when the Ammons family was there is that a, a reverend was given permission to bless the house. And during this, you know, there's police officers there too. And there was like, you go in the basement and it's like all dirt floor, but then there's a bedroom there too, like separated from there. But when you go down the stairs, behind the stairs, like there's like this, there was this weird, like just patch of dirt. And so the police officers thought that was strange. And during the, the blessing, they went down there and they kind of dug up under the stairs and they found like a bunch of stuff, like random stuff buried in the dirt underneath the stairs. Almost like it was like some part of some ritual or someone just buried garbage there. I don't know. But they found uh, a pink nail, like a fake nail, uh, women's underwear, a comb, children's socks, and a red bin. That's like super weird. So, bunch of random stuff. Yeah. Um, when Zach's setting this place up for investigations, uh, a woman shows up to the house named Mika. She just like pulled up probably because she saw it in the news and she used to live there. So she was pretty involved in the documentary that like in the middle of the documentary. So she lived there in the house in the 90s and said that she always had dreams that someone in the house would die soon when she was living there. And her brother, who lived in the weird bedroom in the basement, yeah, ended up getting shot and killed shortly after she was having these dreams. Okay, but that's also like murder capital of the world. Exactly, so could yeah, she it's... just maybe have had a premonition that didn't necessarily have to do with the house mm-hmm. or worry, right? You know. Yep. Um, so when Mika visited, she had her two kids with her. Oh my God! Why would you bring your kids there? Oh, this gets so much worse. Ugh. So Zach's like, dudes, you want to come in and see the house, and so. He lets Mika and her two children come and take a tour of the house. And, oh, my God. You know, Mika's going down, like, memory lane. Um, and they just take a tour, and she kind of, like, says, oh, this is where my room was. This is where my mother stayed. This is where my brother was. And she told her story. And she didn't really have anything happen to her 
besides the dreams at the during when she lived there. But um, after this, they kind of followed up in the documentary. Uh, two days after Mika and her two kids, they were like teenagers, uh, visited the house. Her daughter committed suicide. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, so she survived. But Zach still interviewed them for the documentary a couple weeks later. Oh my God. So they come back a few weeks after this girl tries he's, to kill herself. He's such a saint. Yeah, this is, this, this, he did some great stuff in this one. And this is probably the best of it. Um, so Mika and her family all said that the daughter was not herself. Uh, she made threats and had a number six engraved in her back. This is right after visiting the house, of course. Um, Zach also, in the middle of this, makes mention of Debbie Constantino. He said that she uh, called him. She's, she was on Ghost Adventures, mm-hmm. you know. And she said that she attempted to remotely communicate with the demon in the demon house. And a couple months later is when she was murdered by her husband. Mm-hmm. By the murder-suicide. Yep. So he, he made mention to throw that in there, too. Um, Self-serving. Yeah, he, yeah, so those are, like, the two most, like, very exploitive things that he did during this documentary. Um I have a note here that I said Zach is wearing these giant sunglasses, even in the basement of the house. I just thought that was amusing. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so at one point in the house, like Zach has, he has like security cameras now set up throughout the whole house. It's all rigged. And he attacks one of his cameramen. It's captured on the security camera, but of course they have no audio of it, of what's being said. It's probably like, okay, dude, I'm going to do this to you now. And then you act like this. And then he just like, he just kind of looks dazed. And then he just shoves the cameraman. It's, it's bizarre. Uh, police came by at one point because someone tried to break into the house. Uh, they weren't there. But this is the area that they're in. Um, I did find it kind of funny then because, you know, Zach made mention of this in the documentary. And he rushed out there when uh, one of the neighbors called the cops and the cops showed up. And he's talking to the cops about the house. And the cops, they didn't consent to being on the thing because their faces were blurred. Yeah. They were afraid to go in the house. Zach was like, you guys want to come in and check the place out? And they were actually too afraid to go in there. Well, because I'm sure, like, the police were called numerous times when the family lived there. So I'm sure that, you know, it's like anything else. You have that house in the neighborhood that everybody knows about. Yep. So he brought in... uh, famous investigator i guess dr taft i don't know if you ever heard of him Mm-mm. he was involved in like the um case in the 80s the possession case um they made a movie out of it oh my god there's so many i know i'm like uh what, what? devil in connecticut no no it was like an 80s movie mm. i don't know do you want me to look it up while you talk yeah it was like the case where the woman was uh Assaulted by the uh, the ghosts in the eighties, the possession or something maybe. The body, I don't know. Kesha. Yeah, no, that was Kesha. Yeah, but anyway, he came and he's checking out the house, and there's a funny moment where they're in the basement, and Zach like is acting like he can't contain himself, and he just wants to attack the doctor. 
and he just like lunges at him, but he stops himself before he actually attacks him. Uh, Dr. Taff also felt very lightheaded and woozy in the house. Uh, there's a video of something showing up in frame near him for a split second. It looks like it's probably just like the coat or the, the hat of the cameraman, but it's access as a demon. I'm not seeing anything else come up for him. Oh, yeah. maybe it's the Doris Blither case, also known as the Entity haunting? Yes, yes, that's the one. Okay, 1974 investigation into alleged paranormal phenomenon in Culver City, California, experienced by a woman named Doris Bither. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The case inspired Frank DeFiletto's 1978 book for The Entity, which was made into a 1982 film by the same name. Yeah, that's the one. All right. Little so context. this guy's been around a while. Yeah. So anyway, there's this clip of Dr. Taft getting woozy in the house, and then there's this some weird black thing that shows up on the camera that just like, in and out of the frame in like four frames. I think it was his hat or something mm. or a scarf or whatever. Zach had some experts say it wasn't. Uh, but then the, the same cameraman after this happened because if it did, if it was, okay, we'll say it's a demon. It like touched the cameraman or the cameraman walked right by where it was. So right after this, the cameraman had to sit down and rest because he got like really tired. They didn't know this happened yet because they hadn't reviewed the footage, supposedly. Uh, the cameraman, whose name was Adam, got very sick and vomited up blood at the hotel after they had done film, filming this day. Uh, Adam then freaked out in the hotel, started slamming the walls and the doors in the hallway. And he kept saying that he wanted to go to the house. And he was, like, very aggressively provoking the demon. Like, just right in the middle of the hallway in this hotel. Not even, like, in their hotel room. See, I my immediate, you know, thought is that this is a bunch of crap. But then I think back to when we investigated the Hinsdale house and how sick you got. You remember you had like that coughing fit and you had to go outside that came out of like nowhere. I thought I was going to pass out. Yeah. Like, and it wasn't, I mean, you know, you weren't like acting possessed, but I got, something. Like, woozy and like. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm hmm. But if I was puking up blood. I wouldn't be, like, provoking a demon. I'd probably no, be going I'd probably to the going hospital. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. You'd want to take care of that. Yeah. 100%. You wouldn't want to be going back to the house. Yeah. So he told uh, Zach that the demon wanted him. And that the demon wanted Zach? The demon wanted Zach. Because, mm. of course, he has to. Of course, to. yeah. Well, he's the demonologist, so. Mm -hmm. So the next day, Adam, the cameraman, told Zach to go into his hotel room bathroom, break the mirror, and slit his own throat. Zach fired him after this. He did say that, uh, Adam, the cameraman, said that he did see the demon. Like, he turned the corner in the hotel room and, like, to an elevator and it opened up and he just saw the demon, like, right there in his face. The same goat demon? Yeah, the same goat demon. He described it afterwards. And that's what, like, set him off when he started having his fit. So now it can move wherever it wants. It's following Yeah. the cameraman. Okay. Yep. Even though it didn't follow the family. No. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Gotcha. So the big finale, I guess, uh, involved Zach boarding himself up inside of the house overnight. He went in the house and they actually, like, literally boarded up with nails. They got, like, nail guns and, like, every window, every door, he was trapped inside there. Nothing really happened. <laughs> it was kind of anticlimactic, I thought, with all this buildup. 
Uh, there was a weird growling EVP, I guess. That could have been anything. Could have been faked. And Zach said that he saw a black mass at some point. And that was it. Except for the fact that it gave him double vision for the rest of his life. Yeah, so that happened too then. He's, he had to wear, he has to wear glasses now and that's, yeah. that's why. So that was the thing that I, I saw, is that it happened supposedly when they boarded him up in the house is that he started to like have this double vision that got progressively worse. Yeah. And he went and saw like a specialist after this and they told him that they had never seen an onset happen so quickly. Cause normally it, it's like you basically start to go cross-eyed Yeah, that it happens, but it takes a long time for it to get to the point where it happened for him, like almost instantaneously. And now he has to wear these prism glasses for the rest of his life. They told him that he could potentially have surgery to try to correct it, but he could go blind. And I thought this was interesting is that he said that his biggest fear in life, that's his biggest fear in life, was to go blind. Yeah. So after that, he says no more. No more. And he demolishes the house and buries most of it in a landfill. It's like really weird. The ending of this is really weird. This <laughs> Like random haunted Because like now. they build it up with like this... You know, this family coming to visit and the girl tries to commit suicide and then he comes back and talks to her. And then all this this stuff with the cameraman happens and it's insane. This stuff with the cameraman, seeing him go nuts like this. And then it's just like, he does his investigation. You think that's building up to it and then nothing happens. You think he'd do more than just one little investigation. I mean, they, maybe he did, but they weren't getting anything. Well, and this is always the problem we've had, right? Whenever we talk about this particular case, it's like he took it down and didn't allow anybody else external to come in and investigate. And from his viewpoint, it was like, because it's too dangerous. Something bad's going to happen no matter who goes in. Like, it's too dangerous. It's a portal to hell. It's filled with demons. Like, nobody should go in this. So I just need to demolish it. So I keep it out. No one can do it. But yet you put the remnants in a landfill. And just a bomb like landfill. Did you do anything to try to seal that stuff up? You take part of it and bring it to your museum, the which basement. means you transported it. He took the basement stairs and some dirt. So crazy. Why? Like, if you were so afraid to, like, not even let anybody go in it and you had to tear it down, does he still own the property, I wonder? I don't know. That's a good question. Because I would assume you'd never want anybody to build on it again. You would think so. The whole the whole last like 20, 15, 20 minutes, probably 15, 20 minutes of this documentary was so strange. It was like very abrupt. It was like whiplash. It was, you know, all this built up and then like, and then I dumped the place and I destroyed it and I threw it in a landfill. The end. <laughs> no, no, nothing. Do you think that he got spooked himself? With, like, his physical stuff that happened to him that he just didn't want to continue with it? That's what he says. But I don't know. He says a lot of things. Right. Just... Well, I mean, can you believe anything? I mean, yeah, exactly. I think at this point the show that he does has pretty much been shown that mm -hmm. it's a bunch of crap, just like most of them are. They're sensationalized for television. And even if there mm -hmm. was something genuine happening in those shows, it's overpowered by how much other junk is in it. And I think, you know, just being, like, a big documentary, like an actual movie that he did... And if he's sensationalizing these things, like, he could have done a better job. <laughs> so do you think that the demon house in Gary, Indiana really was the demon house? No. No? No. What about the family that lived there? 
Something else is going to be going on with them. So you really think that this mother, the grandmother, these three children, all of these professionals, the police, CPS, caseworkers, nurses, friends, family, neighbors, everybody's full of crap. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think... I think... I don't think... I think if something was happening, I don't think it has anything to do with the house. You think it had to do with the family themselves? Yeah. I think if something... But then why wouldn't it have followed them when they left the house? I don't know. I don't know what really happened to them afterwards. They dropped off. They wanted to make no contact with anybody... Well, it said that they came back like five years later and interviewed the family, and the family said they had never had any other paranormal experience after they left that house. I don't believe it. Or did the exorcisms work? Maybe they did. Did they do 67 of them? No, they only did three. Well, there you go. Maybe maybe they believed better. Two in English and one in Latin. Mm-hmm. And that supposedly was enough. I think if there was something there... Like with the house, there would have been more to go on that he, that he didn't find. Well, maybe the exorcism worked. Maybe after that, there was nothing left there. I'm not believing it still. So. Why would the police not want to go <laughs> in? I mean, they're professionals, right? They're supposed Skeptics. to be. Yeah. If there was nothing in that house, why would they be like, nah, no thank you? You think about it, they're religious. If they're religious, Mm -hmm. they're afraid of the demons. So I think that the house had something going on, but when the family left, it left. Where'd it go? Maybe it got exercised. Hmm. Maybe the family finally claimed their space. This is the thing, though, that their family lived there for, like, what, a year? Yeah. The house was built in, like, I think 1928. No one before that claimed anything was happening well we have these cases though that we hear about you know where families move into these locations and even though they have some kind of crazy backstory other people have lived in them and nothing's happened look at the amityville house now yeah everyone that's lived there since the last major incidents have said no nothing's ever happened here exactly (laughs) (laughs) aside from those murders Well, I don't know. I just feel like maybe there's something weird that happened. Maybe it was a poltergeist. Maybe it wasn't a demon. Could have been a poltergeist. The daughter was 12. You know, a lot of energy in the house. Three young kids. One last thing that's pretty interesting. This Ammons family that didn't want to have anything to do with Zach. Mm -hmm. At one point during the documentary, uh, Zach's trying to get them. Like he's trying really hard to talk to them. And they won't talk to him. And a movie producer calls Zach. He doesn't say who it is. He doesn't play the message or anything. And threatens him and tells him to stop it. Because this, he quotes him as a big time movie producer of some major horror movie that year before. And Zach is pissed. He's like, you call and threaten me. Bullshit. Blah, blah, blah. Because this movie producer is trying to get to the Ammons family to buy their story and make an actual like big budget million dollar movie about it i remember hearing was it like john woo or jason woo or somebody like that he doesn't say who it was i think that that's the rumor though of who it was i don't think it was 
John Woo, because he's more like an action guy from, I think, China. It may have been like the Blum, whatever, Blumhouse movies, or um, James Wan. Is that who you're thinking about? The guy oh, who maybe. did Insidious? Yeah, it could have been him. It was somebody that was like pretty well known. I tried to research this when I heard about it because I thought it was interesting. I was like, hmm. And so no no movie ever came out about about this. You know, this happened right. this happened back in what? Who did you think it was? Uh the Blumhouse pictures or James Wan. So nothing ever came out though. Nope, but it's coming out now. Really? So they did eventually make one like last this earlier this year or last year. Netflix finally got the rights to the movie and ironed it all out and I think it's actually been filmed already, so I don't know when it's coming out. Maybe soon. Really? Maybe very soon, because Netflix just likes to drop things pretty quickly. Yeah. It's called The Deliverance. And it's about the Ammons family experience in that house. They have like a full cast announced. and That's I crazy. I tried to find as much info as I could on it, and I couldn't really find a whole lot about it when it's coming out, but... Like, they had a whole cast list, and I'm pretty sure Listen, they Listen, I don't know if I want to watch it. When I was reading some of the stuff about what happened with the kids, I don't know if I want to watch it. I'll watch it. <laughs> You'll watch it and then yeah. report back, just yeah. like you're going to do with this demonology course? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> so we can expect updates, right? Because you're going to, like, go back to school for the purpose of research? Uh, I said I'd never go back, but... <laughs> I didn't think they'd be offering demonology courses, so here we are. So you think that the demon house is fake, the Ammons family is full of crap. I mean, we already thought certain other people were full of crap. Mm-hmm. But. It's not fair cause for the Ammons family, I guess, because they don't know their story like fully. They haven't like come out and like gone in depth to it. Right. And there's got to be enough to it to be able to have some screenplay written about it there was it's coming to netflix <laughs> okay well we'll have to do a review i guess yeah, right whenever it comes out we'll have to get the demonologist's viewpoint on whether or not it's true or false <laughs> since you'll have a certificate that's true i will <laughs> i'll be able to properly judge these things backed by an academic credential right you'll use the power of discernment power of christ compels you to study compels me to study <laughs> uh.